to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast created to enhance, connect, and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So, wherever you're listening from today, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Paul Joy, and it is my privilege to sit down each episode with a Yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian, to see how they have been not only inspired by Yarra and their experiences of Yarra Valley Grammar, but also the twists and turns of life. Today, I'm sitting down with Justin Benson from the class of 1990. Justin has an interesting journey, which we're going to unpack together decisions along the way that have really shaped and informed his perspective, but also opened up opportunities. I'm going to begin by asking Justin, at what year level did he begin his time at Yarra? Enjoy this conversation with Justin Benson from the class of 1990. Thanks, Paul, and uh, thanks for having me on board. Um, I was lucky enough to join in well, lucky enough, I wish I'd started earlier as a, uh, if I'd had the opportunity. I, I got to start in year 10 at Yarra Valley. Uh, unfortunately, the, as, as it often is with uh, some of the better and more, more, um, re- more requested schools, that um, the list was long and, and I was on the, the, the lower end of it or wherever my parents got to get me on. Uh, I ended up starting in year 10, 1988 and, uh, and had three years there at Yarra Valley. Right, so there was a demand, there was a waiting list effectively, and you wanted to come along and, uh, and get, get to be part of the Yarra experience, um, but had to wait. Is that right? And so when you first came, I guess a lot of the friendships would have been established. It, it could be quite difficult, I imagine, coming in at that stage. Yeah, so I'd, I'd known a few of the guys uh, who I'd gone to primary school with at Park Orchards Primary School, and that was another school where I joined late. I'd moved uh, from Mitcham to Park Orchards. I jumped in there at grade five. Uh, a number of the guys that I ended up uh, in the same year level with uh, had been at Park Orchards, but either moved in grade six or year seven, which was the, the common time to go back then was, was year seven. And, uh, and my parents pretty quickly uh, saw that there was a need for me to not be at the local high school where I was um, for a myriad of reasons, the, the quality of education, um, the, um, we'll call it the social um, aspect of things, the, uh, the, the, the type of clientele as I often think of it, um, were not where I was positioned in life and, uh, and they would wanted to get me into Yarra Valley pretty quickly. They tried for both year eight and year nine but it ended up being year 10 when I could get in the door. So when you when you do um, establish yourself at Yarra Year Ten, what are you known as? Are you a sporty character? Are you um, somebody who who likes to be in the books? Are you a drama student? How how do people get to know you uh, when you arrive at Year Ten? So when I started, I was lucky enough that my sister was already there. She was a, a semi popular person. I'd I'd call, call her um, was. Uh, for a while they're dating the captain of the football team so it became the footballers knew who I was pretty quickly uh, so what was I known as? I think I was known as my sister's brother rather than uh, anything of my own um, my own uh, we'll call it assets that could, could come to the school 
I was pretty quickly involved in, in sports. I'm a sporty person, um, but at the same time was very quick to understand that the level of quality uh, in, the, in the school was far in excess of what I had been um, subjected to at the local high school where sport was not um, such a, um, uh, such a, a, a wanted item within the, the school. Um, the, the, we'll call it the faculty, not the faculty, it's the, the student body, that's the right word, but around the student body, nor was academics. Yeah. If you were a, a smart person that was seen, that was frowned upon, but obviously at Yarra Valley, it was something that you wanted to be achieving. And the, the principal at the time, George Wood, he, I remember that my interview with him, I, I, this one something I just distinctly remember was sitting in the, in the principal's office with my mum, talking to George, and him wanting to make sure that I was bringing some to, to Yarra Valley, that I was going to be uh, striving to be academically um, driven as well as um, as well as sporting, and uh, and I thought that I was going to just walk in the door there and and uh, and pave the pave the streets with the the JB or whatever you know, whatever I had, and quickly quickly I, I found out that no uh, my my level needed to step up a fair whack. Um, to yeah. be competitive with the team uh, and, and the other the rest of the student body that was, was there. So it was, um, yeah, it took a while for me to um, be known for, for any of those sort of attributes, um, but it, it came with time. Yes. I mean, there can be a, quite a confronting um, smack back to reality when effectively, you, you know, you have certain aspirations and, and the local school might even look toward you or at least your experience of that might say actually I've got a fair bit going for me here let's let's raise the bar let's move into a, a bigger pond so to speak um, and then to, to get there and then realize actually I, I've got to do some quick paddling to get up to speed can be quite uh, can, quite confronting tell me a little bit about family support um, it sounds like your parents were actively helping you to um, I guess, strive and and move forward and be the best you could be what was the family dynamic like how did you travel to school um, was it family meal times was that a thing um, was it uh, a sense of do your homework and then go and play or what were the sort of the, the I guess the values shared by home uh, it's very much yeah so I'd say very much mum was the, the main driver dad was um, he was I guess he was always thought that um, you know look look after the, the sons will look after themselves. He was brought up in that sort of era that uh, you make sure that his his daughter was looked after. But for me, it was uh, he should just get going on with it. And potentially that's um, what he thought with with the local high school in ways. But at the same time, well and truly supported my move to Tierra Valley, where Mum was very keen for me to get into that environment and uh, and have that that um, support network of both faculty and, and student body where people were driven academically and sporting uh, as well as in life you know whether or not there was drama or where they're going to um, to have that those uh, those connections so she was she would um, definitely support me it was discussed at, at dinner um, most of the time for school uh, we, we took the bus it was it was a short trip from from park orchards on the bus across to, to Yarra um, so that was yeah that was definitely how I got to school the vast majority of the time, they therefore meet a couple of people um, who are then local, mm. and and become friends with them. Uh, so, yeah, just thinking back more on that, that I think that was yeah. I'd wrap it up with that. That was the the main main types. When it came to homework, though, it was definitely 
Um, my sister and I were home before my folks. They were both working um, parents, so we were to get everything done, and then then after that you could uh, knock about. I was uh, lucky enough to, to grow up on uh, a bit of land in the park orchard area, we'll say a bit, so there was multiple acres of land around us um, with nothing on them. So I'd go outside and hit golf balls for hours on end with, with my German Shepherd fetching what, what she wanted to fetch. So I would get schoolwork done fairly quickly and then I'd be outside. That was just, that's where I preferred to be. And, and yeah, that's right. And so you understood, get the work done, then I can go and play. And so that became the motivator. That became the incentive to, to get it done. Academically then, eventually, you know, you, you land at your 10, you, you realise you've got to pull your socks up, and, and you do. Um, by year 11, year 12, you're choosing subjects. You're starting to, maybe you're starting to get a bit of direction, a bit of focus. W- academically, what was the foundation that you built? Was it in maths and science? Was it humanities? Was it arts? Where kind of, if we were looking for you in your sweet spot, where would we find you? Uh, I, I was always a, a numbers person. I, I, I don't know where that came from, whether or not it's, uh, it's if they say things are hereditary or not. My mum's side of the family are all accountants. Um, Deb was a a marine engineer, but into, he did sales uh, and, and marketing stuff, and my sister's gone into sales as well uh, since her schooling days have finished, but she was never maths orientated. So was there a line down the family that it went one side or the other? I, I, I couldn't say, but I was, uh, look, I came out of the that high school. I, I dropped straight from being a straight-A student into the mid-range. You know, I, I saw an F in German, I remember that. It was like, it was a devastation moment. I went, I, I don't even know what that letter means. Um, but by the end of year 10, I definitely found where I was, which was, and, and, and the marks were coming back and they were definitely um, uh, yeah, more replicable of what I expected and had seen in the past. Not saying that oh, there was straight A's anymore, there was definitely some, some B's in there, but there was always in and around maths and physics. And with maths and physics, I also then, uh, for fun, it was, I did for fun, I, I did accounting uh, on the side. But I was a maths, physics and chemistry kid. Um, the end of year 11, uh, going into VCE, the chemistry teacher, or I'm trying to remember the name of, but it escaped me for the moment, had said, I guess I'll be seeing you next year. And I actually said, no, I'm just going to stick with uh, maths and physics and, and accounting instead. Okay. Um, they were surprised because I, I seemed to have an aptitude for it. But um, yeah, so the sciences and maths were where I was. That's not to say I wasn't interested in the other things. I was just probably better uh, and felt more comfortable with uh, the, the numbers side of things. And and what does that lead to? You know, you do you, you mentioned VCE, um, and you probably were right on the cusp of HSC and VCE, and, and you're you're probably moving to almost a, a a bit of this and a bit of that, and and kind of working at it. Eventually, you come out with a number, and that number often is a gateway into um, further study. Is that what is that the pathway that you took? Where where did you go from there? I did. Uh, I, I did fairly well in year twelve at what was the last year of HSC and uh, before it was even though it was known as VCE they were using the HSC scoring. Uh, that took me into Melbourne University. It's it's an interesting thing and I, I do look back on the time and and understand that my my road has taken me um, very much at my own direction. Um, and my own choices uh, that I didn't, I thought I had an idea, it changed multiple times over. Um, but at the same time, I always had core skill sets which I could lean upon. So I originally wanted to be a pilot in the Air Force. There was nothing else I wanted to do from the age of, I don't know, 10. 
and then Top Gun comes out and it's 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 made yeah it's it's cemented in your mind that that's what you want to be, uh, and uh, so you go out and buy your aviator sunglasses and and your jeans and white t-shirts and you say that's that's going to be me, and uh, and then the Air Force decides after a few rounds uh, of getting very close to being um, in pilot pilot training that uh, they weren't going to take me and I I did do as an extracurricular. Um, organisations with the, the Air Force uh, cadets that was done outside of school um, and I'd gone all the way through with that to, to the highest level and still um, it, it didn't take me into, into pilot training so in that time I, I actually felt myself a, a little lost coming out of, out of school and going into Melbourne University and doing maths and physics because I just expected that I'd be taken mm -hmm. by the Air Force that I expected that I'd be, was, I was going to be seen as good enough um, even though the numbers that were they were taking were very small, uh, and that that led me to being um, lazy again, I guess it's a bit for better words, um, or maybe just a bit lost as to where I wanted to be. And uh, and after two years at Melbourne University, they they thought it better that I go and try something else, and I took a year off. So the the whole time I actually wanted to take a year off and just um, step away for a while. And I think um, for me. It's not for everyone, but for me, for someone who just wanted to, after 13 years of school, to sit down for a bit and just go, I don't want to have to think about what mm. I'm studying next. I just want to go and do uh, something and have some experiences. Um, that was less supported by mum and dad, who said, we didn't you know, mm. put you through all this school and get you to that school that you wanted to be at. And you, know, you go yes. to Melbourne University for you to then walk away and do nothing. So, uh, or do, you know, whatever, become a... Uh, you know, a work on a, on a bus and a Kentucky tour or something, they, they thought I should be applying myself a bit better. So look, I took that year off and then I went back to university at Swinburne University where I studied a business course and a major in accounting and, uh, and business law and uh, then just kept the major at, at accounting by the end. And that one I was fixated on finishing in the shortest possible okay. time and applied myself super hard to doing that and achieved right. really good marks in it. And then um, yeah, that took me on the journey of becoming an accountant instead. Wow. I, I'm fascinated and I really appreciate you, your vulnerability of, and the truth of that story was uh, you expected to have doors open because of who you were and who you believed yourself to be. Um, and, you know, without making light of it, you, you've been at, you bought the right sunglasses, you bought the T-shirt, the blue jeans. Maybe you're even riding a motorbike, but were you any good at beach volleyball? Well, this is the thing. I had to learn volleyball as well, but I did that down the track, and I was never did beach volleyball. I was only ever on the on the hard court, so I've, I was clearly not built for the uh, for the for the air force. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. Was Maybe that was didn't the have a six pack either, so that was. <laughs> <laughs> I dare say though, I mean, based on based on what I'm learning and in hearing from you, you you do have high aspirations. You have high expectations of yourself. <laughs> and that doors are going to open and the seas will part and, and they will welcome you and they will want you. So from your parent perspective, I, I can totally understand why the decision to leave uni is very hard for them to grapple with and very hard for them to accept. I'm also curious uh, in your own thinking at that time, and, and sure, you know, we're going back a fair way now, you know, 25 plus years to, to try and recall your your motivations and your thinking at the time but my question is around for somebody who's so motivated and somebody who's clearly um able to learn and grow and and, and set yourself targets and reach those targets what what's in your thinking to say actually i want a year off i want to go and do 
nothing for a little while. How do you get to that conclusion for somebody who's driven to say, you know what, I'm done with this at least for a season? Mm. It's a good question and one that I, as you say, the the years have probably um, clouded what I actually was thinking at the time. I really think that I'd I'd gone from being um, from being academically in front to um, going somewhere else and finding myself way behind and then battling back to being at the top of what I think I could achieve. But at the same time, I know that um, the the main maths teacher, Ian Banks, would would sit there and say, um, you know, you, you didn't do nearly enough, Justin. Come on, mate. And uh, and 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 I, I did fairly well, but at the same time, I know that um, there was one thing that he said. There was a maths. There was a maths. Uh, it was in. It was in. We called it maths B back then. I don't know what they call it these days, but it was. We'll call it hard maths. Um, and there was a thing that he started calling the Benson sludge factor. And because I I had answered the question the first time round, and then a month later I was sitting there going, I have no idea what he's talking about. I, I, and it took me until a month before the end of year exam where I said, what's that sludge factor thing you keep on talking about? And then he, mm-hmm. then he, he, he was freaked out and just went, I can't believe that's, that's the core of it. All I said, yeah, I, I don't remember. Um, wow. So I wasn't applying myself in a way. And I think there's part of those realizations that I said, they went, I reckon I'm just, I've pushed to a point that I say, I just need to sort of you know, clear, clear the decks, refresh a little bit and try again. And at the same time, I knew I didn't want to go to uni at that point in time. I knew that I just wanted to fly planes and I wanted to mm. take the time to fly. And then I found myself doing 35 contact hours a week at Melbourne Uni, plus doing study outside of it because you had to do so many hours outside of, of study. Um, and I didn't have time to go and learn flying. So I was then, that was getting pushed back. And, mm. and then as the time went on that the Air Force then turns around after the third year of trying and says, we're not gonna take you. You go, well, then flying's not for me, and you throw your toys out of the pram and, and those sort of things that you then finally get to the point of going, well, the uni's asked me not to come back. Um, I'm, I've not achieved to what I wanted to achieve in the first place, which was to get into a plane and, and fly for my country or even just fly for me. I haven't done any flying because I was always studying. I, I need to just, just stop. And I think time over, if I had the opportunity to pause and kick off where I wanted to be. And there's, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of excuses that you can come up with in life um, because if you, can, if you need to, you can find time, as they say. And I think I probably mm. would have been out of fine time, but then again, maybe I wouldn't have had the funds to do it or whatever the excuse was at the time. I, I felt that I, there was probably a, a, a number of steps I wanted to take in a certain order and I was doing them in and around the wrong way. And that just meant that um, I felt myself disjointed and just said I just I want to do things a bit more of a systematic way uh, for me to be able to achieve these things and it wasn't how it was playing out um, so yeah it's it's an interesting one I, I don't know I, I go back to the, the question you asked of why did I want to I think I just needed to sort of as I said clear the mind as to where I was wanting to go to at that time because things change no matter what um, but at the time I, I don't think I was really understanding why I was going to university in many ways, apart from I had the marks, therefore I should, which is not the mm, right answer, mm, right? And yes. that's where I thought, I don't know, I'm not really sure I want to go here just now. Can I just have a year off to think about what I'm doing? No, you don't. You're going to university. 
<laughs> and uh, so that's yeah, I think that's where it got to uh, for me. And then obviously, as I said, the application those next two years was substandard. Yes, and and however, after you do eventually take a year off, you get some perspective. You you maybe have some fun, and you you kind of maybe do a bit of travel, and you you see some things from from a different perspective. You come back, and you're now ready to apply yourself, which you do. You you work hard. You 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 get back to the level at least by comparison with everybody else you get back to the level where you expect yourself to be you do really well and you become an accountant is that what happens next yeah so at Swinburne Swinburne is really good at, it's got a it's like a couple of the universities um, they're they're less we'll call it um, they like to think of themselves more we'll call it a more practical uh, degree that comes out of Swinburne that you'll probably see at RMIT and Deakin um, whereas you can be more academically um, driven at Melbourne and Monash, typically. Mm-hmm. And again, this is my experience from a long time ago. They may have changed since then. I feel, feel mm-hmm. so forgive me. Um, but that's where it was. So at, at the same time, Swinburne took me uh, into their Bachelor of Business degree. Yes, I had had a, I had a great year off with my mates and done lots of silly things which were just fun to do, right? Whether or not I was driving go-karts every second week with a mate who worked at a go-kart track to just working in a supermarket and stacking shelves and, and hanging out after work with your mates down the pub. So that sort of stuff was very refreshing for me and going traveling as well, mm. which I also did and had my first three, four months um, in the UK where I'm, I'm also a British citizen. So I get to have that flexibility with where I can go to next. Um, but I went and lived in Scotland for a few months. So that was great. And then I've come back, as you said, and then Swinburne starts me off and it's very practical. So they, they are driving you towards and having you think about where can you apply this and in what way do you want to. And if you want to apply it earlier, we can help you out with a sandwich year, a, a gap year, if you want to call that, in your studies. So I was uh, went into accounting. I did uh, achieve a couple of top, of top of class results for the university, which was great. So I started having that uh, encouragement of myself again that, yes, I am um, mm. smart enough to be doing this and doing it well. It doesn't mean I need to top everything. It just means I need to be, you know, putting myself in a in a good position. And then after the first year and a half of uni, it's meant to be after two years, but I did it after one and a half years. Um, they put me into a few uh, accounting firms to say, go and apply and see how you get on with getting a year off, a uh, year working, and then you can you can study part time at the same time. And the first accounting firm that I went to uh, accepted my application, and you know I went to become an auditor, which is you go wow. I don't even know what that does, but let's uh, let's let's see what happens. And I had asked my grandfather, who was a, a chartered accountant, I said, "I've got these opportunities." He said, "You should go into audit. It gives you the best opportunity to understand the systems that businesses use, the processes that they use, understanding how accounting is done, and what the what the main reports are, um, and how they're running a business. So those things are really good for you to get a great oversight. Tax is very specific, and um, you can do that. And he was a tax agent, so he he, he knew." Um, but at the same time, he goes, oh, I think you'd be better going to it, which was great because that's what I was accepted into. And that was started mm. me off on my journey to become a chartered accountant. And then that then got me into my, uh, as I went along the path, of my second firm was at KPMG, which was one of the big fours, they call them now, as a big six back then. And going to KPMG into the consulting area, which I went to, um, opened the doors when I said, I'm going to go to the UK now. And uh, they looked back and they went, good school education, has his good marks at university, has worked at Big Four, and the doors just literally started 
popping open all over the place, which was fantastic. Mm. So mm. I had a very uh, enjoyable 10 years in the UK as a chartered accountant. Um, I remember the, the, the CA program putting out a, a TV ad that's number one in numbers and it shows accountants in different parts of the world um, looking at iconic images, whether or not it's um, the Brooklyn Bridge in New York to the, um, the Tower of London and all sorts of things. And they just said, it, it opens doors, it's number one in numbers. Mm. And I thought, that is exactly how I feel right now. I'm getting the opportunity yeah. to travel with my degree. Um, it's recognised globally. It is something that I can apply into business and whether or not I'm doing business management or actually doing a accountant's role or a sales role, which leans on accounting. Um, that business degree, the understanding of marketing, because that's what Swinburne did, they made sure you had core understanding of economics, marketing, IT, etc. cetera, um, within that degree. But even though I specialized in accounting, um, I now really knew how to get involved and run businesses. Uh, and that was mm. a mixture of my, I guess, the accounting background through firms as well as the, the education. Um, but there's no doubt that um, for me that, that that time that I got to take off, that year off, helped me get a, a level of focus that then took me on that next journey of 15 years um, that ended up culminating in me um, yeah, finalising the time in, in, in London and, and then looking to what's next, which brought me back to Australia. I love that full circle because now the doors are opening the way you expected them. You just were ready to go through the doors that were, weren't open until... I guess you had matured a little bit, dare I say, and 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 maybe got some bit of experience and 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 a new focus. And now doors are starting to open. I'm curious uh, because you mentioned earlier that the notion of uh, really being in the driver's seat to a point of being able to make choices and decisions and and really track your own pathway. And by the sounds of it, we're at that point in your career where doors really are opening and so you're able to make choices and decisions will I go here or here or here because it seems I've got as you said the qualifications I've got the marks got the grades got the 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 background that that is attractive to whoever it is that that wants to employ me now so I'm going to pick from here on tell me about the notion of um, working for the big organisation versus and understanding business versus something that and I might be wrong, but an entrepreneur perhaps decides to be an entrepreneur because they effectively get to make their own choices, and yet you've done that within, by the sounds of it, within big business. Is that is that an entrepreneur? Is that a is there another name for that? But but how do you manage? working for a big organisation but actually still being in control of where you're going and what you're doing. Is that, does that make sense? Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say I wouldn't exactly say that I'd know the, the, the correct answer for that one except to say that for me, uh, I, I've all, I got to, I think the part for me was when I went to the UK and I worked there, I decided to be a contractor. And contracting is something that gives you that level of flexibility of choice, um, but at the same time, nothing is secure. And I think mm. through my time there, I started to realise that it's okay not to be secure all the time, that I can change next year to something else and it's okay. And my next mm -hmm. choice will take me on the next part. I, so if I 
think of that to the question around the entrepreneur who wants to say, I just want to try things out here and see how this business evolves. And often with entrepreneurs, it, it evolves in a myriad of different ways that they didn't at first expect it to be. And not all of them are successful, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's a test and learn opportunity. And I really took my 10 years of contracting in the UK with a year of it up in, up in Edinburgh and then in nine down in, in London as being test and learn as to where I wanted to go to next. And um, almost push the agents when I was getting out there into the next role and saying, I've got another role. And sometimes I'd say, well, I'm gonna put you here. I say, yeah, no, that's not really where I'm gonna to go to next. So I want it to mm -hmm. be X, Y, and Z. And they might say, well, I can't get you there. And say, well, someone will. Um, okay. Let's see how, because as long as it was reliant on your skill set and your core abilities a lot of the time especially somewhere like london in particular which is a very transient city uh it has it has that that need for for workers coming through which have core skills they're not necessarily worried about what industry you've come from what was your previous place of employment um but they do sometimes like to see some things and that's obviously where i was i was lucky enough to have a couple of those key attractive items on the on the cv um, but overall, the majority of them said, what can you do? Yeah. Mm. I would like to do, I, I've got these problems over here, can you do that? If so, how would you do that? Well, often where okay. interviews for me went to. So I, I reckon I came out of that experience going, it, it doesn't matter where I go to next as long as I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And mm. uh, it doesn't need to be, so I've never been hugely career focused. Uh, and that's, that's a personal thing. I've been more, I like doing what I do as long as it provides me the lifestyle that I enjoy. And that's where I've gone to yeah. instead. And I don't need it to be a secure environment to therefore, um, or not necessarily a secure environment, that I don't need to have my path chosen for me to make sure that I can then do all these other things. Um, so yeah. is, is that makes it entrepreneurial? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Which, it, what it is, is wonderfully encouraging that you've followed what interests you, what you've followed what what you want to be doing and 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 I'm curious to learn a bit of detail about your current role and your current title, but you've each step you've been able to climb, if there is a ladder, you've you've climbed it, you, you've continued to strive, you've you've interviewed in such a way as to say how would you solve this problem? Do you have the skills? I'm curious about whether or not you, and and this is not a mark on your character, but were you honest all of the time or were you saying, yes, I can solve that and and bold and confident enough in yourself to go, I reckon I'm going to work, be able to work this out. I'm going to say, yes, give me the chance. Give me, the, you know, let me pull into this, rip it apart. I'm going to solve this problem. Or or were you always relying on, yeah, absolutely. I did that at my last gig and I've, I know how to do that. I'm very confident about actually, yes, I can do that already. Is there a little bit of salesmanship there to, to help yourself get to the next level? Yeah. I've always, I say that I've always been, I've always been pretty transparent on what I've done. Um, and, and the roles that I was going to, and this is where I, I guess I see it as being fortunate that the, the places that I went to interview at, the vast majority of those interviewing or those, those whether or not they were head of finance or um, the CEO or, or what, 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 uh, what have you with what, what role they were, um, they were often, because of the city that I was in, they were very open-minded to where I could go mm -hmm. to. 
and they'll go through things and I, I'd even look at this say, oh, look, I looked at your job description, your job, um, job uh, description, job uh, advert and I said, I reckon I know nine out of ten of those things. This other one I'd probably have to learn on the job but surely there'll be someone either within my network or someone who's here already who can guide me on that particular part of the, of the role. And I, I look, I, I learn things quickly. I think my, my marks speak for themselves that I have an aptitude for mm. learning things. So I'd go down that route instead. So I know that I am smart enough to think to, to learn something rather than I know everything already um, because often you get yourself caught out. Um, mm. Yeah, so I know, that, was there salesmanship? I guess you, you always sell your best attributes and you would always try and bring the conversation back to those ones about how it could add value with those attributes and the, the, the things that I had experience in. Um, but also say, and I think I can attach, I can attack those other items in a efficient manner. Not saying that I, I know them, but that I'll um, either learn them or I'll um, have a crack at it. That would be um, still advantageous, ad, advantageous to the business. And those mm. things seem to resonate with those um, that, I was, that I was being interviewed by. Um, mm. It was the, the vast majority of places that I said, geez, I'd like to have a, have a go at this place um, with the, the job that was put forward to me by an agent. I knew I wasn't the only one interviewing, but um, I, I was fortunate enough to be fairly successful in my, in my um, uh, applications that I, for, for those that I went for. And, and mm. therefore, I look back on the, the, my, my job experiences and go, geez, there's a lot of, lot of brands there that I would not normally have thought, I would never have picked them as a, out of a head mm. if you say, who are you going to work for? Um, but I see them all as being adding value to to, yeah, to where I've got to now. For sure, and and, and obviously you've added value to, to them <laughs> along your pathway, along the path because you know doors keep opening because you've done a good job. You get some referees and and, and you you continue to push forward. So where where are you now? What you're you're currently back in Australia? What's your role? If you can tell us, where do you work? What do you love about it? Yeah, I'm I'm now at. Uh, a company called Next Technique. It's a part of a, uh, a small. Um, it's a part of a family-owned um, business. There's there's a multiple of, of family-owned businesses by the, the one family. Uh, this one is called, as I said, Next Technique. They have a product called Next Service. It's a NetSuite native field service management tool that um, basically helps uh, companies that are using NetSuite and also have people out in the field, whether or not they're doing servicing or maintenance or. Um, the, we have pool cleaning companies, so we have the people who go out and work on the the, the, um, the, the filtration systems and, and also doing the pool cleaning. They can manage those people from the back end. They can do everything from um, allocating the staff to jobs to making sure they've got uh, the right inventory with them to, to go and do maintenance and all those sort of things. So um, it's not um, it's not as sexy as, as rocket science or anything like those sort of things, but it's a fantastically run um, uh, family business that's uh, growing at has been growing at uh, last year was an 88 percent growth. It's over its first four years. It's grown at 130 percent average. So it's a very fast growing little software company, um, well on its way, and it's established in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, the US, and UK already, with 70 percent of its revenue coming from the US. And the, where I how I got to this one, um, I was actually introduced um, to to the CEO by um, a mutual friend. Uh, who uh, we, we, she has her niece and nephew at the same primary school as my kids. 
and they, I was a CFO at another company called BuildExact, another software company which is for um, the small, uh, we'll call it the smaller builder, the ones who do bespoke building uh, of houses. So nothing off the, it's everything's off the plan. It's not, uh, it's not uh, like a Metricon or one of those the big house makers. It's for those who are saying, I've got a set of plans. I want to build a house, and it helps the builder coordinate with all the trades as well as with the mm. homeowner. So that one was another software company which so happened to be in Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada, and mm. the UK. It was a few years down the track of, um, of, of where Next Technique was, and uh, I had been reached out to and said, um, as, as the CEO had been asking for information around capital raising, um, working with those venture capitalists um, or private equity firms, uh, employee options schemes, um, inter international transfer pricing um, setups, which is basically how you have your company charging out to other companies within the network. Um, and a lot of these things that were a bit more, um, we'll call it mature for a, for a business, that they hadn't got to those yet. And uh, But I had been doing them and had set them all up mm. at BuildExact. So uh, they said, you know this stuff, can you help Annalise out with, uh, with doing that? And through that time, over a course of about a year, um, we became uh, we became, we'll call it friends, uh, that I was helping her out on a, we'll call it a, you know, roughly a monthly basis, giving her some advice and, and, and mentoring on, on the areas that she needed to go to, whereby after about a year, she then turned around and said, I just, why don't you just come on board with me? And uh, mm. a little while after that, I said, yes, I will. So, um, mm. and I guess this is one of those same choices. I, I don't, I didn't go out of my way to, um, to, to become the CFO at Next Technique, as much as I really had driven myself to try and get that first CFO role, which is that build exact. Um, but at the same time, the opportunity was there, and I said, I reckon that'll be okay for me, and let's let's mm. try that out. Again, That those parts of me being okay with being fluid in where I go to next, and it's not a big, mass, massive multinational corporate. It's a small family business, which is growing well. It's got you know, a modest, whatever we are, at $10 million turnover at this point in time, but it's growing very fast. So it quickly become $20, $50, $100 million turnover company. And mm. to be a part of that sort of growth and that um, expansion of a company is, it's, we'll call it, it's fun. It's good to see something grow. People are pretty happy when things are going well, right? So, um, Absolutely. Uh, so I said, yeah, I'm happily bring my experiences from my previous roles to here. Uh, I've never used NetSuite before. There's something else. I said, I've never used NetSuite, but hey, an accounting system's accounting system. I'm sure I'll be able to learn it over time. Um, yes, even though yes. NetSuite's more than an accounting system, it's a full ERP. Uh, and I'm learning as I go with that particular part. So no, there, there's always things that you don't know um, that mm. you, I, I think you just need to be transparent about. And that's what I, I did even for this one. And I think, I think that is reflective of a character that says, you know, yes, I'll be honest and yes, I'll be authentic, but I'm willing to learn and keep growing and, and, and you know, try my hand at this and that. And I, I think that that goes well for um, your, your pathway that has, as you say, open doors, but also you've had to be willing to say, yeah, I'm going to try this door. Um, knock on a few and uh, and then others that are open I'm just going to yeah let's see where this takes me and and there's a you know that that particularly and, and albeit <laughs> I don't want to stereotype but accountants aren't necessarily known for as being um, dare I say risk takers um, but it seems to me that you've got a, a I guess a an openness to the unknown and let's go and discover let's go and find out and I think that the uh, 
that leads to an interesting life, no doubt. Um, we're chatting with Justin Best Benson from the class of 1990. And Justin, I wonder if I can take you now to a little part of our conversation that I like to call the lightning round, where I'm going to throw a bunch of short, sharp questions. There might be one word answers, might be a short sentence answer. It'll require you to dig back deep into the memory bank if you can. Um, uh, it, it might be that uh, you make up the odd answer or two and we might uh, just sail on through. Okay. Are you uh, ready to strap yourself in for the lightning Let's round? Let's do it. Let's give it a go. Justin Benson from the class of 1990. What house were you in at Yarra? The Annals Army. The Annals Army. And were Annals any good back we in the day? We were red hot. We're blue hot, <laughs> as we should say. We were blue hot in, in just about everything. We were you know, a very successful house when I was there, yes. And what would you say was your greatest contribution uh, pro- to their success? yelling and screaming. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I only made the D relay team in swimming. Um, and I did try and do a couple of things like the 800, but I was, uh, I was never fast enough uh, for, for the majority of those, uh, for those sports. But yes, I was definitely a contributor in the, um, in the army for challenge, cheering on the rest. Excellent. If you had a choice, would you choose um, house swimming or house athletics? I'm going to say athletics because I was actually able to contribute a bit there in the in the in the field things. But swimming, I I think I had a better atmosphere um, in one of the in the big pools mm. that we go to. It had a real, yeah, that atmosphere of the of the crowd was was fantastic. Yeah, very good. And as a as a, a professional cheer squad, uh, it it makes even more difference, doesn't it? When it you're a bit enclosed and you're, you're cheering them on, I, I appreciate that. Um, was there a uh, a, a musical performance or a drama performance that you were either part of or you remember watching and seeing and enjoying? Something that springs to mind? Uh, I was up, the Rock of Stedford is the thing that we used to yes. attend and I distinctly remember our year 11 was me the moocher uh, from the Blues Brothers. And you were? We, or not me. But uh, our okay. year level, that's, that was our song. Mini that the was Mucha. the, right, that was the song. Yeah, okay. and we were very okay. successful. So I'm pretty sure we came either second, I'm pretty sure it was second, yeah, that year. It was, it was great. Very good. And and were you like, were you a dancer? Were you a, a tree in the background? I'm pretty sure that's a... probably the best I was, was a tree in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Ten, so the things of apparently tennis, soccer and golf didn't translate too well to, uh, to these things, but that's how it goes. Do you recall who the school captains were back in 1990? Yeah, Stephen Power and Penelope Swan. Very good. Um, <laughs> what would be found in your lunchbox back in the day? I reckon mum would have probably put in cheese and spring onions or something terrible and I'd, I'd try and make sure it was Vegemite and cheese instead. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't recall too much of the lunches. They were pretty, um, pretty basic back in the 80s. Yes, and probably a, a you know a piece of fruit and maybe exactly a. Right. Uh, it was always yes, a piece of fruit, a sandwich, and maybe one other thing, but it was it was pretty basic. Pretty pretty plain. Um, do you recall what was your first car? I had a Toyota Corolla. Uh, Color. The, it was green. It was disgusting, Kermit green, uh, <laughs> from the nineteen seventy eight era Corolla. Oh, okay, okay. And and were you driving as a year twelve student, or was it not till later? No, I was a I was a, one of the younger uh, kids in the school, so I was a March baby, and, and didn't turn didn't turn eighteen until the end of O week at university. But yes, apparently that didn't yes. stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a conversation for That's another right. time, perhaps. Keep going. <laughs> um, is there a, a piece of work that is memorable to you? Maybe a 
an exam that you studied for over and over, an essay that you you submitted, you got feedback, you tried again, you tried again, tried again. A, a piece of work, whether it went really, really well, or maybe it was just a, a sign of your resilience. Uh, the only one that I, I think of, I'd submitted a, a poem into the uh, the year the yearbook, um, which was published in there. So. I was never, uh, as, a, as a numbers person, yeah, I know it's a lightning round, sorry. Uh, I was never a numbers person, I was always a numbers person, so English was never my forte, but to get something like that submitted, I, I was pretty proud of that. Absolutely. You've mentioned uh, travel and your opportunity to see a bit of the world. Do you have a, a recommendation and or is there a place that you haven't yet been that you're really excited to go and explore? I'll use and. Um, South America I've not been to, even though I should have many times. Um, the USA for road trips is, by and large, the, the, the best place to go to, to to experience multiple different styles of, of one country. Um, or call it North America, because even Canada can come into that. Uh, and then for places of, of pure beauty, uh, Austria for its lakes and mountains, uh, Rome and Italy, in particular, all of Italy really for its its history and nostalgia. Uh, I, I find countries like that through Europe just absolutely spectacular. Um, they are mm. very stereotypical, so if you want to go slightly off the beaten path, there's um, definitely some of those Eastern Bloc countries that have been forgotten about um, for a while that you can you can drop yourself into, or even um, your parts of the Balkans, which are just uh, are spectacular for um, for their own mm. own part. So I, I recommend travel. I've been very fortunate to have ticked off uh, a lot of countries and a lot of states in the US, if you don't call that a separate country on its own, many countries on its own. Um, but I, I always encourage people to to try new things and see new things to really make you appreciate what you've got. At the same time, it may take you down a path of wanting to appreciate something mm -hmm. longer and stay. So. Yep. Love it. All right, there's some strong recommendations. They're good. Um, I know numbers is, is your thing, especially, you know, accounting and money and so forth. What was the first job where you ever earned money? That's a good question. Uh, I think I might have been, I, oh, I'm going to say it was, it was, it was Safeway, now known as Woolworths, <laughs> Eastland. It, there might have been mm. one before that, um, but I don't. I wouldn't put down the dates on it. So I'd say, yeah, good old Safeway, which is now, I think the building's been converted a few times over. It might have been a Harris scarf or an office works or something, but it was uh, yes. before the new Eastland was built, there was a Safeway there on the corner of um, Marunda Highway and Warrandyte Road. If you could swap roles with someone, anyone, whether it be career, whether it be situation in the world, what, what's a way that you'd like to be pursuing life? You know, for example, do you want to be a, a championship golfer? Do you want to be a, a, an international surfer? Do you want to be a rally car driver? Do you want to be a, a, an artist or an author? What, what's a role or maybe a person that you'd love to swap with? Yeah, there's, there's probably many. Often I say I'd like to race F1 cars just for the fun of it for a year. Um, it's probably very much a single person's life, though. My family wouldn't like that so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, that or just going back to, just going back to flying. I, I talked about this not long ago with mm. some friends and saying, let's just give it a real crack again, and uh, and and do that for a while. I'd, I'd like to do that. Yeah, mm, I love that. I think that's a that's a terrific answer. Um, back in the day, back in the what would we say the late. 
eighties and early nineties. What's a TV show that you used to race home from school to go and watch? <laughs> race home from school. Jeez, I I remember them being in the evenings. I don't know if I raced home to watch anything. The school TV. Yeah, I mean, we've got to think back. We only had four channels back then. Uh, <laughs> so or it can be later, the old later in the evening clicking, as well. But yeah, I, I reckon I, I, I love things like um, oh, uh, Airwolf was a, was one that comes to mind. Um, there was a, a guy in his helicopter flying around and helping the world. Uh, yeah, I was a bit of, bit of pretty big Airwolf fan. And, and then there was also... Um, Oh, look, I, I can't remember the name of it. It'll come to me later on. You'd be of the era of um, MacGyver? Yeah, MacGyver A-Team. And there was one other which was around the, the, a, a unit in the Vietnam War. And I can't think of what their name is now. But, yeah, China Beach. All those sort of things were big back then. And, uh, you know, I was, I was right into all those. Yes. This is called the Inspired by Yarra podcast, and I wonder if you can cast your mind back to whether it be a person, an incident, a class that inspired you um, along your journey while you were at Yarra. Yeah, I, th- I used to I think of people um, within the, the school. I, I think, in essence... I wouldn't put it down to any one person. I know that the coming, I take it back to the start, coming back, coming from the a school which was easy and then going to one which was driven. And I was, I was inspired by all the guys in year 10. It was a boys school back then until year 11. And, uh, and I, was, I was, I was inspired by their worth ethic work ethic and their their drive to achieve as a as a unit on the sporting field that esprit de corps those sort of things as a collective I think inspired me and and that's where I I I wanted to be a part of a part of the we'll call it the winning team and uh and that took me on to you know being being representative on on the three sports that I was on uh and and being in the first for those where yeah, I think early days I would have I, I was floundering in, in ways because it was it was a step up and yeah I say that I was inspired by all the guys. I, there were certain ones in definitely in the group you go, geez they're just good at stuff, aren't they? And um, and and I could I could pick them out, but I think there's when I really think about it, there's there's more than one, and it's it's probably to say that it was the the student body of 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 the group. It was it was a really inspirational school. Yeah, that's terrific. Uh, your movement in and around and amongst that group, did uh, did you earn yourself a nickname? Nicknames, um, yeah. Bruce Morrison uh, from my school was the first to call me JB and uh, that's, that's stuck through my decades. Yes. Pretty creative. Yeah. Or not. Or not. <laughs> um, I had a lot of Benos and Bensons and... Um, yes. Yeah, butthead or something. You know, no, I don't think I was a, I've ever a butthead. Um, but yeah, there was never juzzies and stuff that you get, which again, never that imaginative. But um, there was one that I said, no, well, that's, I quite like that. And, uh, and yeah, JB, JB goes all right. Yeah. JB, thanks for the invite. I'm coming over for dinner this weekend. Yeah. What uh, What's your go to? What do you cook? What do you like to uh, serve up to a guest? I, I'm a bit of a, a roast sort of person. Uh, I, I 
yeah, I, I, I don't mind cooking up roast roast veggies in particular of all different types. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I get a bit creative on on things out of the, the old cookbooks from time to time to say what haven't we what haven't we done before and, and try something. Yeah, new. nice. It, there's a sense of adventure in in lots of parts of your uh, world by the sounds of it, which I, I I love. I'm drawn to that. Let's take me out of the equation. Then you can invite any three people oh, from any era, dead or alive. Oh. Who's coming to dinner? <laughs> I, I've never been asked this question before. I'm always interested when people have great answers, and I think they go, oh, "I don't know. Who would you have? Three people? Um, oh. It's an yeah. It's an interesting one. I, I, I I'd have to. Yeah, I'm gonna. We might have to cut this bit out because I'm sitting there going, I'm not too sure. I'd have a, a clear answer apart from, do I really want? people of, of major notoriety or would I sit there and just say I'd love to have my granddad over again um, mm. I was really close to him um, and he was always always someone who I'd I'd look to for, for direction and advice um, and then other people of you, you might sit and go uh, some of those world leaders you go this would be really interesting to understand a bit about them uh, and what drove them to go onto those levels of, of um, world leadership. And then maybe even someone like, oh, I've always been um, yeah, a bit sporting driven, so I could, I could pick a bunch out of, um, maybe in the golfing world, I was always into a bit of golf and I actually walked into Sergio Garcia in a, in a hotel in Austin in February. And, um, but I, at the same time, I, I'm not a person who bothers people. So I, I mentioned to my friend afterwards and they said, but why didn't you say? I said, what? <laughs> so, well, if he wants to hang out, he would. I'd rather just meet someone that sort of, instead of forcing them to want to talk to me. That, um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe someone like that just to understand a bit about how their journey has taken them uh, and what it took to consistently turn up to, whether or not it's hidden tennis balls or golf balls or all those sort of things, day in, day out. Um, mm -hmm. And what they like doing outside of it, I think we get to, we've been able to see that a bit from Ash Barty recently. Someone like mm -hmm. that who's been very honest about her life, uh, that you get to know yep. more about how hard it is to keep on going into your bag and taking it to the next airport. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd pick one out, but um, there would be someone like that on those, those names, Adam Scott, Ash Barty, just to understand a bit of their background. Mm, no, I, I appreciate the, the thinking behind that and without necessarily mentioning names, I think there's a, a type of character that you're drawn to and, and I, yeah, I appreciate that. I wonder whether you recall um, a phrase that is, that's part of Yarra and it's Lavavi Oculus. Mm, lift up thy eyes. Whether or not you, lift up my eyes, lift up thy eyes. What is that? I mean, it literally means lift up thy eyes. What, what did it or what does it actually mean, do you think? Oh, uh, I sort of, yeah, I, I've always put, put it to be, even though it's maybe not, I've just always thought to be, just, just look to the bigger picture, look out past your, take the blinkers off for a second and, and, and look out to what, mm. what the possibilities are um, mm. and see, see more than just the micro. And, and again, you're, as you've tracked through parts of your storytelling and, and sharing you know different reflections and and even different moments in your life where choices have been uh 
needed to be made. You, you seem to be one to want to explore and want to experience what's possible. And, and I, in that sense, I think you have lived that, that, that school motto of, of lifting up your eyes and, and let's just go and find out. Let's go and have a look and, and you know, uncover this rock or work through this door, walk through this door and, and see what we can find. Justin, you've been really generous with your time and, and I appreciate your reflections and your storytelling. Um, I wonder if we can bring this conversation to a close with a two-part question which, which might be the most challenging so far, and that is what question did you really wish I had asked you this afternoon? And then could you answer that question? Are, are you really 50 nearly? You look so young. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you're so chiseled. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think there's anything on, on the list of, of expected questions to come through. Um, I, I, nothing that, um, that would, that nothing was, I didn't have a huge expectation on um, challenging questions, but no, nothing that I, I wish you'd ask me. Um, I mm. think we've had a great conversation, thank you. I've really enjoyed it very much. I wonder then, because of your 50-something years of, uh, of life experience and uh, the twists and turns that life have taken, I think by this stage in, in our lives, let's be honest, um, we get to a point where we can give back, we can reflect on life and, and we can acknowledge our, 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 I guess, our strengths and then those areas that we're still working on. And, and maybe from time to time, we have an opportunity to impart some wisdom, to share some advice or some guidance. Some of the um, people who listen to this podcast are current students, and many of them are still in that uh, uncertain phase of life, maybe in the process of whether it be choosing subjects or, or making choices and decisions about what the future path might be. Let's suggest maybe to a teenager what is some guidance or advice that either you received that was helpful or that you might offer to uh, a teenager in 2022 mm. the the things that i think of is the amount of times i've thought to myself i should ask that question and then i don't and then i'm left wondering there's there's never uh, a good thing and it can actually sometimes have to, to the detriment um, of progress uh, that I would make sure that uh, if they are unsure of the path forward that they find something which is general uh, and I, I think of that when it comes to people who are going to business degrees not necessarily a commerce degree but a business degree which is more broad that they they go in and say I'm going to be a marketer and then halfway along they go actually that economics thing's really interested me and I want to go into do more of an economics thing but I'll do marketing as a minor for example uh, I, I think if you can find something that gives you a, a broad range of, of um, trial that you can experience and, and learn uh, different things, that if you are unsure to the point that you say, I just want to take a year off, that you know that you've got the ability to defer something. Don't cut yourself out. It's a bit like stepping off the, the housing ladder for those people who are lucky enough to buy into homings. They go, I don't want to step off it because it's going to be hard to get back on it again. And I, I attribute that to attribute that to, to also learning. If you've got a, a position at a, a university offered to you, is it one that you're sitting there going, I'm not sure at this point in time, but I can defer it? Well, then my advice, if uh, you have the backing of your, your family and your, your own um, 
your own drive to say, look, I am going to take a year off, but I am going to go back to it or something. Um, that you make sure you do it or something, uh, but that take the time out that you need to take to, to learn a bit about yourself and go and do that year of backpacking somewhere where you're earning four bucks an hour and you know, some weird, uh, weird country that you're thinking, oh, this, this isn't where I expect to be, but it's been a great experience and now I'm refreshed and ready to attack the next bit because it's just one year. It's, I, I do think back to me saying I, it took me three years to start my degree in many ways mm. and there's parts of me that says that was a real waste of time and other parts that says, well, it's still got me to where I am now. Um, but there's, there's definite parts of re little bits of regret there that I, I did waste where I could have been um, yeah, better, better applied myself if I just had the opportunity just to pause. So I recommend pause if you want to pause. It's, you know, life will take a lot of different directions and pause at 17, oh, sorry, 18, I guess it is these days, 18, pause at 25, take a different chance at 34. It's all okay. It's part of um, what makes you you. So it's okay to make, make choices that are not the normal um, but are yours. I love that advice because, as we've heard today, it's part of your journey and it has served you well along the way. And, uh, and, and as you say, some of the opportunities that you have been able to take wouldn't have happened unless you'd made those other pause decisions earlier on. So I, I appreciate your ability to, to dig deep into your own experiences and then um, share from a, a place of authenticity. Justin, you've been generous with your time, with your storytelling, with your perspective, and I've uh, appreciated it. It must come with wisdom of uh, many life years of experience and and traveling the world and, and meeting with so many different people and uh, and being reflective along the way as well. So thank you. Thanks for your storytelling. Thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for being inspired by Yarra and the people of Yarra and through opportunities like this, being an inspiration to Yarra. So thank you. Appreciate it. Well, what an interesting character. What an interesting journey. What an interesting life decisions and choices made along the way and I really appreciate the guidance if and when it suits to have the confidence to pause not just keep bolting along forward because perhaps that's what society or life or even those ahead of us or those supporting us or cheering us because what they expect but actually to take time to decide what's right for me sound advice from Justin which I appreciated thanks for tuning in thanks for enjoying and and if you think others would also appreciate this conversation it was probably fairly career heavy and decision making heavy but I found it to be intriguing and insightful um, based on 50 years of life experience I think there is a great wisdom to be found if we can and a podcast is a great opportunity to have that depth of conversation uh, where other mediums perhaps don't allow. If you like this form of conversation and uh, you'd like to hear more, then there, we have a growing library of Inspired by Yarra podcast episodes, Conversations with Yogs, and, uh, and we see how they too have been not only inspired by Yarra, but also where the twists and turns of life have taken them. A growing library which we would love you to continue to delve into and by all means share it with others like it share it on your favorite podcast app player and show somebody else how to find it as well 
My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone at Yarra, including a small team who put these stories together and released them for your listening enjoyment. I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you head on out there into whatever challenge, situation, scenario you might find yourself in today. Head out there with an intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you. Thank you.